0: Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable, a podcast with Dr. Conway Edwards, where our goal is to help you increase your leadership capacity. Let's get ready for today's episode.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is part two of Keys, 10 Keys to a Successful Relaunch. We're pretty excited. We've gotten a lot of feedback from the first one, and so we want to finish these five for you on today. Uh, Pastor Luke, why don't you give us a summary of where we have been? And then let's go to some new content here in a minute. What do you got for us? What are the first five that we talked about?
0: All right. So, just in case you missed the first episode, the first five were: the first is, if you invite them, they will come. So, it's all about having a culture of getting out into the community and intentionally inviting people to church. Uh-huh. Um, the second is, build teams before you need them and so oftentimes we wait for a need and then build a team to it, and we say build it first, and they'll find the need. Uh, number four, or sorry, number three is raise up leaders before you have roles. My, my. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, this this guy is a master at that. Um, number four is using a short-term crisis to create a long-term solution, my, 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 my. Uh, which is a really good subject matter there. And then the last one was dovetailed into some of the previous points, which uh, which was your office, the place you should never go on a Sunday morning.
1: My mind. So by the way, everybody, if you have not yet listened to uh, episode... Before the first part of this episode, then I need you to go back and listen to it before you continue. Some really good nuggets there. I've been interacting with some pastors who have told me how helpful that's been for them and how practical it's been. And so if you haven't yet, I would recommend you go. If you're planning a church, great episode for you. Never planning a church before this is your first time. I need you to go listen to it because it doesn't matter what season of life you're in. doesn't matter how old your church is. If you're brand new, it still works no matter what. Just go follow the first five. And I think it, you will find it extraordinarily beneficial to you and to your team. So now we get to the really, 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 really exciting stuff. The last five in this keys to relaunch or keys to launching in the first place. Here we go. Uh, give us the first one, Luca. What do you got?
0: Okay, so the first one is regaining and sustaining the big mo. My, the
1: my, my, mo. my, 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 my. So, how do you, how do you. How do you get momentum back? People have been coming back slowly. A, a third of your church is like, ah, I'm not coming back. You've got you know, two-thirds of the church who is slowly coming back. How, how, do, you, how do you get some momentum, and then how do you like, really uh, take advantage of that? How do you get it? How do you sustain it? As you go back, you can do a number of things for the Big Mo. One, one first thing you can do is literally try and get some big days. We give away free T-shirts, stuff like that, just to get people coming back to church. Uh, You can leverage big events, events that they would not normally come to, the events that the church would not normally have. This is all non-Sunday morning experiences that you can get people excited about coming. That's one. And then uh, if I were you, I would uh, evaluate my momentum based on uh, a couple of meetings that you have. Uh, We're talking to a leadership team or pastoral leadership team the other day and I said to them, uh, you should have a core meeting of your top leaders. Then you should have a a meeting where each campus pastor or each ministry leader has their own teams. Then you should have uh, your deacon meetings or whatever other meetings you have. Now, here's what I say to them all the time. If your core team, meaning your top, 20 leaders if your core team is not growing then your church won't be growing if your leadership team that you meet with on your own or your different volunteers meet with is not growing meaning you're not adding people to them weekly every other week every month you're not adding people there then your whole church is not growing or your whole ministry is not growing and then lastly if you're not adding to your small groups If you're not adding new leaders, adding new people to them, then your church is not going. So you don't have to look at what's happening in the church. What you got to look at is how many new leaders have you added personally to your particular team? I tell people all the time, you don't get to be at my campfire if you don't have your own campfire that you're meeting with people. By the way, this works in any area. It works in business. It works in education. It works in the military. If you're not growing your team, then the rest of the team isn't growing either. So part of the key to... Uh, gaining and then sustaining momentum is are you are, is is your leadership good enough to attract people to want to hang out with you because you're adding value to their lives. And it shows up every single week in our group, in our in our leadership team, in our coaching, it shows up every week. I can tell the teams that don't have momentum. They don't have it because they're not adding people to their team. So I don't need to wait until Sunday to discern where the momentum's coming from. All I've got to do is look on Tuesday, which is when our leadership team meets, and I can tell if there's momentum there or not. Luca, how has this affected you? How has this affected us in our Prosper campus? Tell me a little bit about this rhythm of core team, leadership team, small group leaders, small groups. If you're not adding leaders there, if you're not adding people there, then your ministry, your church, is literally not growing. Talk to me. Well, I
0: think that a lot of um, a lot of leaders get infected with the addiction to to act to activity. Uh, versus progress. And one thing that you said that really pivoted my thinking um, recently at our, at our retreat was that uh, you're gathering people that are going to be significant change makers in the future. It yeah. doesn't mean you can identify all of them or that you can predict them, but you're not trying to just gather warm bodies. This yeah. is not a collection of bumps on a log. That's this true. is individuals who have the potential, their feet are moving underneath them, or at least sense that they've got the energy for it and the calendar for it, right? And you're, those are the people that you're having conversations with. The core team meeting during the week is them making a personal sacrifice to join you so that they can become enriched. This is a signal that they're the type of individual that will sacrifice uh, by waking up early, staying late, showing up. They're your champions in leadership in your core. So
1: Absolutely. And the, the beautiful, thing, beautiful thing about it, I think, is you need to realize that you're trying to get owners of the vision, not owners of you, Nerdist. owners of the vision. Yep. And so it is clear when somebody owns the vision and when they don't. It is crystal clear. And if they don't own it, it's because you haven't communicated it effectively enough or you're not a leader of leaders. You can be a leader of followers, but you're not a leader of leaders. And so part of your challenge is, is the vision clear in your mind, what you're asking people to get done, and have you sold it enough for them to buy it? Because people must follow the vision more than they follow you. You're a a catalyst for that, but they shouldn't be following you. They should be so compelled by the vision that they want to go and want to achieve that vision. And so one of the things you have to look for is, are they owners? Let me tell you what owners do. Owners, owners come early. Owners leave late. Mm-hmm. Owners own it. They're not. They're not passing by. They own it. You can depend on them. They're dependable. And so at these meetings, what you're trying to pull off is who are the owners. Which is why you don't give them a pass and you don't say they know for them. You want to see and you test them all the time. Uh, that's why the Bible says, don't lay hands suddenly on certain people. Because if you do, they will reveal themselves over time that they were never with you, which mm-hmm. is why you've got to make sure they're owners. And the way you know that is by giving them small groups of tests to see if they really own it or they're only in it for what they can get from you. It's huge and it will show up over time. So, the, 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 idea is that we've got a we've got to get the momentum then we've got to sustain it. The way you do that is by keep adding people to your team. And you have to add new people to your team. We have this thing in our church called the leadership queue, which is where if you look at a box there are four quadrants to it. Upper right, you've got what we call stars. Bottom right, you've got what we call solid citizens. Top left, you got what we call new people coming into the team and then bottom bottom left you have people who are what we call um, deadwood or need to be transitioned to another ministry in our area. Now, the key for the leader is to focus on people who are coming in new, people who you're just meeting, people who you're doing outreach with, because you don't know yet, they have not yet determined whether they're stars whether they're solid citizens. Solid citizens are people who are great people. They just have hard boundaries as to the amount of time they're going to give you. There's some people that they just want all in because they want to learn, they want to develop, they want to become a better leader. Those are usually the stars. Your job with a star is clearly define the vision and get out of their ways. Your job with a solid citizen is to make sure you tell them thank you for their faithfulness. Your job with new leaders is to spend most of your time developing them and then putting them either in the star category or the solid system category and then your your deal with the with what we call the deadwood or people who need to transition is to literally find a better place for them to go serve where they have more passion. So your job is to spend most of your time with new people to determine where they go next and where you're going to develop them and the trajectory that you have on them. I think we took a little too long for that one, but those are just some leadership concepts, I think, that will help you if you want to move from gaining the momentum and then sustaining it over time. Evaluate yourself based on every single week, how many new people did you add to your core team, your leadership team, your small group team? All right, what's number seven, Luca? What do we got? Number seven
0: is to gather people, learn them, and place them, which is just an articulation of what you just said, but kind of expands on it a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good one. So I believe every leader should have five buckets when you talk to people every single Sunday, every single weekend, whenever you have services, every single Wednesday, whenever you connect with people. If you're a leader, you're building something. If you're building something, Then you've got to have places where, when you meet somebody, they don't get lost. What most churches do is they have a most leaders do. They have a conversation with somebody, and after that conversation, that person gets lost. You don't even know where they are anymore. And so the next time you see them is probably in four weeks. And oh yeah, I remember you, Mm -hmm. and you have no category. those people to go into so uh in my world i've got five categories for individuals every time i meet a young man i got five categories for them the first one is i'm either inviting them to our next core meeting which is on tuesday number two i'm inviting them to a personal discipleship group that i have where i'm discipling guys every every six to nine months i'm pouring into a group of guys to then ask them to launch out and disciple other guys number three i've got maybe they need counseling. And so I might need to send them to one of our counselors so that they can interact with them there. Number four, I can go to dinner with them just to get to hear their story a little bit more. And that's a larger dinner with a group of people. And then number five, if I believe they are, they are um, a high-capacity leader, then i probably go to breakfast with them just to hear their story. And all of these, none of it is about me. It's all about them. What, what is their next best step? How do we help them, facilitate them to being the best they can be for the glory of God? And that is our responsibility, I believe, so that you're not losing people. They're coming, you're interacting, but you have nowhere to put them and nowhere to keep interacting with them to see whether or not they can be a part of the team, what role they might play, and how God wants to use them. You see, I'm convinced, I'm convinced that God has given you everything you need to maximize what he wants to do with your church or your community or your business. I believe he has. I think our role, I think the mistake we make oftentimes is that we don't we don't give people a trajectory for them to be on. And because we don't, then they get lost. And because they get lost, then God sent them to you to help you accomplish your full redemptive potential. Mm -hmm. But because you don't know them or you have lost them or you're not connected with them, then you don't know their role in the process and how God has sent them to you to help you accomplish your churches, your organizations, God-given potential. Therefore, you start losing people and you start losing your impact because you just don't know where they, where they all went. Pastor Luke, your thoughts on that before we go to number eight?
0: yeah, a uh, couple of those you noticed are just they're almost non-committal moments for the, yep. for people because yep. You're watching and testing this individual for potential leadership, and we forget that they're also watching and testing you. Right. They don't know yet if they want to be involved with you. That's so exactly some of these right. are Saturday night dinner, a core team thing. These are not commitments. These are just, hey, will you show up? And then they're asking themselves, do I want to show up? Yep. And by stepping into something that's not signing on a dotted line, they can dip their toe in the water of the culture. They can dip their toe in the water of your leadership style and experience that and then and then make an incremental decision before diving all the way in. And you get a lot more people in what we I guess you would call at the top of the funnel. You're going to have a lot more people that you get to observe in a broader format so that, uh, so that you have places to put people in the process. You don't have to decide in the moment yep. uh, what role they're going to be in.
1: And then you have to also have in the background of your mind, you have to have a grid through what you're thinking. There's some people that it's not their season to serve in church Mm -hmm. because they have young kids at home and all their time is spent in working and doing, um, taking care of their family. Mm -hmm. And those, you must know, hey, man, that's just a great time. We can have, we can find a great life group for them to connect with people. And that's where their best fit is. It's just serving in a life group, loving people, supporting people and so on. And then you find people who have, you know, a different little bit of bandwidth and they, they want to serve and they want it create an impact for the glory of God. And those people you find a track for them to run on and then you give it to them. And then there's some people that are not certain. Or there's some people that really want to use you. And that's okay too. They want to use you. They want to learn from you so that they can do it themselves because everybody's got an agenda. We know that. Uh, and then and then you just need to put them in the mm-hmm. right environment so that they can learn something. And it's okay for people to use you. That's okay. nothing that, mm-hmm. wrong with that. Let them come learn whatever they need to learn and then go where they need to go. Your job is literally the the spiritual development, the discipleship of individuals so that they can go be the best that God wants them to be. And hopefully, uh, you can have an impact in their lives for a season, and then they go to wherever they think they need to go. Especially, uh, Pastor Luke, in this age of where everybody wants a side gig because COVID has taught us all that you need to make sure you're making enough money, and you have to make sure that, you know, all that. Everybody wants free training to go do what they want to do. And that's fine. You just need to realize that that's a part of the equation as well. Yep, go absolutely. All right, what do we got? Number eight.
0: All right, so number eight is uh, if you can't hire a staff member, build a team.
1: Ma Let me tell you something now. I hear this all the time. Well, you got you know you can have staff, and so because you can, so on and so forth. Well, um, be careful when you say that uh, because, for example, we're launching a campus right now. And there's no staff person on the team. None. Zero person gets paid. The entire campus is being launched on all volunteers. The entire campus. uh, And I think that's
0: the second time you've done that.
1: That's the second time we've done it. Now, some of them is going to get paid after the fact. But right now, it's all being launched with all volunteers. Every last one. They've got a $6.5 million building, and it's all volunteers that are launching it. Why do I tell you that? Because it's not true that you need staff people. What you need is a compelling vision to reach people far from God, and to disciple people so that they can bring all of life under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Therefore, the point is, don't think if I had money, it would change anything. Think if you have a compelling vision, the resources will follow it. So your assignment is then to figure out how do I gather a group of people and light a fire under them so that they want to move in the same direction for the glory of God. In other words, how do I give a compelling vision so that people care deeply about the people that are far from God in this new area, and that, that's why we're there. We're not here to take people from another church. We're here to win people that don't know Jesus Christ mm-hmm. as their personal Lord and Savior, and people who have been disillusioned with the church, people who have been hurt by church, people who have been hurt by leaders. We're here to make sure that we can create a, a, a safe environment where people can consider Christ and... Take the opportunity that he offers to live the abundant life. That's why we do what we do. So my my, my thesis is do not be um, deceived into thinking. If I only have money, it will be different. It will not be different, no mm-hmm. matter how much money you have. Your assignment is to create a compelling vision so that people want to follow you, and then you must model that vision. And don't ask them to do things that you wouldn't do. Your job is to model that vision and to live it out to the best of your ability. Uh, any, any, any thoughts on that? How have you learned that principle, Pastor Luke?
0: I think uh, it, it connects well with the previous point mm-hmm. in that we we should never underestimate the power of a a vision drip in other words over time the vision has a good vision a compelling vision will will persuade somebody over time to change their their day, their weekly schedule so that they can fit in, or or rearrange things, so that they can be a part of it. It doesn't just it doesn't mean that just because you snapshot their life that a compelling vision won't persuade them otherwise. So being in the environment can yeah. do that. And
1: you know what? the thing? I think far too often we say people's no for them. Mm-hmm. I think far too often um, there's there's some guilt with what you're asking people to do. Far too often. And so because you feel a guilt that maybe you shouldn't be doing it that much, then you transfer that to your people. So you always make room or excuses mm-hmm. for them, or you just settle with somebody giving you a little bit and not ask them to to do all they can for the glory of God. And I think for far too long, churches has um, has has created this soft approach to ministry that I fundamentally disagree with. Let me go outside of America and then let me come into America. If you go to Nigeria, if you go to most of the, most of the poorer countries of this world, um, God is all they got. And so mm-hmm. they, they serve the Lord with a, with a fervor and diligence that, um, that, that, that most Americans will never know. And I believe that we sell our people short and we sell the gospel short and we sell the mission short because we cater to the gods of our culture. Let, right. me, let me name some of those gods for you. We cater to the God of convenience. We cater to the God of comforts. We cater to the God of, well, um, that's just too much for church. It doesn't take all that. And uh, here's, here's, all, here's all you have to ask for you to realize the fallacy of the argument. And that is, if you find out that you're going to die within the next week or two, then your whole life gets reordered. And yep. he gets reordered about getting as many people as he can go to, to heaven. And by the way, if you wouldn't do that, then something's wrong with your own heart. That you don't care that people are going through a crisis eternity. So I just want to challenge you. I'm not trying to ask you to burn people out. I'm not trying to. I'm just trying to ask you to have high expectations. Because here's what I find out. That if people, is, if people are working for a whole lot of money, they'll they'll violate everything to get a bonus. Which means they can be bought. Which means... That if you give them enough money, that means they'll, they'll sacrifice and work really hard. Well, I believe in light of that, that we should have a compelling enough vision to ask people to, to give their lives to this. Um, four decades ago, most of the smartest, four to five decades ago, the smartest minds in the culture were going into ministry. Today, that's, not the, that's no longer the case. The smartest minds are going where the money is. You know where the money is? Lawyers, doctors, uh, venture capitalists, uh, people in Wall Street, anywhere they can get as much money as they can, anywhere they can have their own businesses to do it. That's what we're doing now. Here's why. Because the culture has shifted. And the Bible says, because of a lack of vision, the people perish. Here's what that means. The, we are The culture is perishing
0: mm-hmm. because
1: pastors ministers and are not calling people to a higher level to right. live beyond the here and now and to live for eternity and my friends i'm just asking you to not to not to not be guilty in calling people to a higher calling that is actually a biblically worth a, a biblical vision that is worthy of your calling yep. that's why you're doing it and we should call people volunteers to live at the same mm-hmm. level for the glory of god do not cower in asking people to live at a level that God will say, well done, my good and faithful yep. servant. You look at the guys in the in, in the book of Acts, as they're growing the church, you do not see people who are carrying. You see people who are giving it all and putting it all on the line for Jesus Christ. But because we come into a culture, and it predominantly is in wealthy cultures, where our basic needs are met, which really means we don't need God as much as we used to because we can we can buy our way out of problems then all of a sudden now we 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 don't want to inconvenience them with this thing called the gospel and yet still it is the life saving hope of the world that took way longer than i needed to and I just went on a rampage. But it was good. Hey. So. Forgive me for that one. That helps somebody. But I just need to go there. All right, but what true. else we got? Come it's on.
0: true. It's all true. We underestimate the value of somebody's desire to have significance in this life. Absolutely. And, and that
1: significance can only come, that major significance can only come, when it's linked to the gospel. Yeah. It can only come. Now, they are going to think it can come from the more money you have and the more comforts you have and the more houses and cars and everything else. But it really comes from the the, 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 the gospel-shaped, God-shaped heart, that hole in your heart that he wants to fill, but that significance can only come when you link with God's eternal purposes. Okay, so we at? we're at now number nine. Let's see if we yes. can get through number nine. What's number nine, Pastor Luke? And and why don't you talk a little bit more about number nine instead of me? I went on a hey. little diatribe a while ago. Forgive me for that. Go. What you got? It was Inspiring nonetheless.
0: Number nine is disrupt your sacred work week. And mm-hmm. this is not to undercut anybody's nine-to-five commitment, but uh, just the idea that if we're going to be building teams – that are driven by high-capacity leaders that also have full-time jobs, then you're going to have to find and go to them where they are mm-hmm. and build them uh, according to their schedule. And if you think about it, the dynamic the dynamic is true for, for the leader you're you're including in the team as well. They have a full-time job to be involved in the vision and mission of the church. They're going outside of 9 to 5. Church leaders, though, want to camp out in that spot, and I think that it's okay to rearrange your week. Uh, You don't want to compromise your family time, but just rearrange what the traditional work week looks like so that you can have one or two evenings a week where you're meeting with high-capacity leaders that themselves can lead. How many does uh, Raymont lead? 100? He has 20 leaders and 100 uh, volunteers in the men's ministry. Raymont has a full-time job. Well, you're not going to find him in a nine-to-five category. Right. So how can we rearrange our week to go to the volunteer?
1: No, That's good, which means as a, as a pastor, as a, as a significant leader, high-capacity leader in the church, you've got to now have meetings early in the morning, 6 o'clock sometimes. You now have to go to where they are between 11 and 1, lunchtime, or you have to meet them after, after church or after their kids go to bed. So you've got to you've got to figure out, if you're going to lead people, h- how do I do it and what's the best way to do it? But you can't always ask them to inconvenience themselves to be on your schedule. Sometimes you've got to inconvenience yourselves to be on theirs, especially because as a volunteer, they're working in the overtime of their work right. to volunteer for the glory of God and for the advancement of the kingdom. So then why, if they have to go over their time, do you get to... Right. Um, limit yourself to only the nine-to-five. So again, nobody's asking you to go so far that you lose your family, that your kids are, you're not present with your kids at the games and all that. What we are asking is to be flexible enough and to go beyond that so that you they need to know that you're present in their lives. If you're relaunching the church, if you're relaunching or launching a ministry in the first place, you've got to be where your people are. Mm-hmm. And you've got to make sure that you can be present with them, with their kids, with their students, with their families. At times, that's not normally uh, convenient to us.
0: All right. What's the last one we got? Last one we learned just this weekend, which is go to the person or go to the crowd Mm -hmm. rather than uh, waiting for them to come to you.
1: What's What's the statement that really compelled us to this this week? We're at a leadership retreat and we'll watch the video and Tell us a little bit about that statement that just was compelling to us.
0: Oh, okay. So Simon Sinek is being uh, most of you know Simon Sinek. Um, if you don't, then come on, you got to get a hold of Simon Sinek. But he's being interviewed by Kerry Newhoff and at the end of the interview, there's like 50 seconds left. Kerry says, "Okay, Simon. So obviously you have podcasts, you have Instagram. Where can people find you?" And Simon Sinek's response was just, <laughs> it put it's a gold man. It, it was, was gold. Da- it was a dagger for sure. He said, "I don't. I I shouldn't expect people to find me." I I need to go find them. I need to go to them and be in their world um, versus expecting them to rearrange their world and find me. And it was right. like, dude, Gosh. just give us your Instagram. That's right. But that's right. he he went ahead and threw that one out there. It was crazy.
1: And and I think the spirit on the heart of that's so profound that for far too long we've been waiting for people to come to the church instead of taking church to them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the new reality in the digital age that we live in. That we've got to find ways. To get to them, and so um, you've got to find ways. How, how do you get into these neighborhoods? Uh, how do you get into these into these sports programs? How do you get into their social media feeds? How do you how do you how do yeah. you live where people are living? Mm-hmm. And that's not just your sermon on Sunday, but how do you customize content every week? One of the things I think is vital is for us to customize content not just for your sermon, but when you're planning your sermon, also customize content for the rest of that week. What do people need to hear? What do people want to hear? Where are people living right now? What are their fears? What are their insecurities? Mm -hmm. And how do we customize content during that week, non-Sunday experiences, non-sermonic experiences, to reach people where they are so that you can be a blessing to them as well and so that you can live in their world? I think we've got to We've got to take a whole 180 and rethink how are we reaching people far from God and how are we reaching people who have been disillusioned with the church and how are we reaching people who have been hurt by the church Mm -hmm. and don't want to have anything to do with the church anymore. And one of the ways we do that is to think through content that we believe can minister to them right where they are. But if, if all we're doing is taking the sermon we do and then chopping that up for the next week, nothing wrong with that, but if that's all you're doing, then I think there's a big part of the community that we're missing. And what we're trying to do is to take church into the 167 hours in that week and figure out how do we, how do we reach the kids that week? How do we reach the students that week? How do we reach singles that week? How do we reach couples that week? How do we reach uh, uh, seniors, adults that week? Mm-hmm. How, do, how do we reach them all week long? And it's not just the sermon anymore. And if we don't adjust, then ultimately the church will be irrelevant. And we'll go the way of Blockbuster, we'll go the way of Yellow Cab, we'll go the way of all those organizations that were once great and have now become irrelevant. Mm -hmm. So, Luca, we've been talking about these 10 lessons that we should consider as we relaunch the church or as we launch the church or as we take advantage of a new season. And as we go through those, my prayer is that as leaders, we will regain our attitude, spirit, and momentum, and depend on the spirit of the living God to do what I know He wants to do, because the gates of Hades will not prevail against His local church, which means, as leaders, we need to inspire and motivate ourselves to go back after what God is calling us all right. to do. Um, mm-hmm. Pastor Luke, why don't you pray for every pastor, every ministry leader, every volunteer, every volunteer every business leader, every high-capacity leader that's tuning in, and just ask God to, to give us a fresh wind, fresh fire, a fresh motivation to do what He is calling us all to do. Why don't you do that? Take us away.
0: My pleasure. Well, Father, we, we lift up the pastor right now or the leader or the church leader that, that maybe feels stuck. They, they look around them, and the whole vehicle of their ministry seems like it's stuck in the mud. Uh, they're spinning. They're they're applying a lot of energy and maybe a lot of resources, mm. and it just seems like there's no movement. And maybe that's a reflection of their own heart as well, where they feel like that's stuck as well. Father, uh, reinvigorate them with a fresh vision, and not just not just words that you might print on a wall, but a clarity of um, of vision that that moves people and themselves to action. Yes, uh, inspire them with new goals and new ideas. Take some of what has been shared. Here and give them the courage to try something that maybe sounds different and new, but uh, but that they can implement, and then and then as you add your blessing, God, um, our prayer is that as they're moving, that you touch. The, the plans of the man and, and, and invigorate that with divine blessing and invigorate that with divine growth, yes, cause them to have creative ideas uh, to pull and draw on and identify the right people and to be inspired to raise them up well for the glory of God and the movement of your kingdom yes, God. to deplete darkness in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. 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 Thanks so much for joining us. By the way, if you have not yet, I want you to uh, go listen to our CLIMB conference that we just did recently. I think you will find that extraordinarily beneficial. You can go to CLIMBconference.com and you can pick up all the resources there, all the speakers. We had nine sessions. You can get them all there, and I think it will help you. And your leadership team go further faster, as our famous Andy Stanley would say. Thanks so much for joining us, and until next month, we'll catch you then.
0: Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. It has been an honor to have you here with us. Now, just want to remind you that all of the resources we talked about today are available online at visit1cc.com slash Leadership Roundtable. Now, if this has been helpful, leave us a review, go out there and hit subscribe, and more importantly, share this with your team so that everybody can grow. We can't wait to see you next time.